Uh, thank you, Mitchells. Um, hopefully everyone's got one. We've got spare ones up the back. This is our COVID Bible. Uh, you can bring your own Bible and use that. Uh, we're going to be going through this passage, so keep this in front of you. If we haven't met, my name's Toby. I'm the pastor here. Great to have you. And uh, the bar heaters, a word of warning, they do get hot. They will burn the soles of your feet. Uh, so just be wary, they'll come on at some stage if you're visiting. Great to have you. Uh, let's pray as we come to God's word. Uh, Father God, we do thank you that we can come together. We thank you for the letter of James. We thank you that it is such a practical book, so clear. Uh, help us understand what James is writing, but also transform us. Help us to live with humility and help me to teach according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm going to show my age here. When I was a boy, I used to watch a TV cartoon, and that was called He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. There he is, He-Man, with his big muscles and all that stuff. Now I went to a Christian school, and I must, I don't know, the boys, we must have all talked about He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, and we're going to be He-Man, and... The Christian principal, he must have got sick and tired of it. And uh, I remember him saying one morning, there is only one master of the universe. And his name is not He-Man, it is Jesus. And it's a pretty silly cartoon. If you've seen it, don't bother. If you have, probably don't watch it again. But the question is, who is the master of the universe? Who is the master of my life? Who is the master of your life? Because many people, we believe that we can be the master of our destiny, that we can control our lives. But then life happens, doesn't it? Hardships, you know, things happen that don't go according to plan and we can get quite discouraged. Often some people can turn quite bitter. Now today's passage, it's actually suggesting that humility is what we really need. Now, humility, it's not natural for us. It's unnatural for humans. Selfishness, that's our natural default. And so we have three paragraphs in our passage, uh, three sections uh, up on the wall. Uh, sin and selfish desires making us hostile to God. That's the first paragraph. Second paragraph, speaking badly of others and being judgmental of them. And then the third one, boasting about the future that we have no control over. Now with all these issues, these challenges, humility is the cure. Humility, if you like, is the antidote for pride and sin. So let's look at the first paragraph. And he's explaining that his recipients, James is explaining, is the Christians are at war. But they're not at war with people outside the church they're at war with each other. And it's their sinful nature that they're fighting against. So let me read again from sentence one. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is this, this is not, uh, is it not this that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You do not ask and do not you do, and you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly, and spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, 
Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend with the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, James is addressing an issue that Christians in his day were struggling with. But it's something that we are struggling with today. And that issue is he can't be friends with both God and with sin. And you see there in sentence four, he talks about the world. You can't be a friend of the world. What he's referring to is sin. You can't be friends with sin and God. God is good. God is holy. God cannot have anything to do with sin. But what do we want to do? What's our default? We want to love God. We want to love sin. And we think, let's have both. Let's have, to use the phrase, our cake and eat it. But James is saying, if you become friends with sin, he or she makes themselves hostile to God. Now, we all know this, but we need to be constantly reminded of this. We all need to be reminded that we can't say we love God and yet love selfishness and sin. It's a choice we have to make. We have to choose to love God, choose to follow Jesus. But it's not just something we pray once, it's something we choose every day. So many of you know, uh, one of my daughters really wanted a dog. And I put it off and I put it off and finally I chose that we got a dog. And my wife Michelle reminds me that it was my choice. I made a choice and then we ended up with a border collie. People said you need to keep them active. I made a choice last year to get a dog. Every morning at 6.30ish, I make a choice to walk that dog. My choice that I made last year affects my every morning that I have. My choice to get a dog last year affects me getting up and walking three kilometres every morning, including this morning. And the dog was barking and encouraged me out of bed. If I want to care for our dog Panda, I need to exercise her every day. But here's the thing, right? A dog's one thing. Following Jesus is an entirely different thing. Because if I get a dog, well, I have to walk for half an hour, I have to feed her, I have to pick up some stuff. But if I follow Jesus, it affects my every day, my morning, afternoon and night. It affects all my life, every single hour. And so that's what James is getting at. We are choosing every day to follow Jesus. And then in sentence five, he uses scripture to back up his statement. Or do you suppose that is not, is it not purpose that scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that is made to dwell in him? Now this, this sentence, this verse has caused a lot of issue and debate because it's actually not in the Old Testament. And the phrase is not a direct quote from the Old Testament, but most say it's probably James picking up the key theme of the Old Testament that God, the Lord of Israel, was jealous for his people. And there's many passages that pick this up, as you probably know. Israel was to be God's treasured possession, his holy people to be set apart. 
if they sinned, if they rebelled, if they became like the others, God would punish them. The first command, you shall have no other gods but me. God of the Bible, he is a God that demands full obedience, wholly and solely. And that's hard in Ballarat today, isn't it? Because Ballarat today, we are multicultural. We are multi-belief. And what do you think about all these different beliefs, all these different cultures? Even for me this morning, there's a, a, a bicycle race on. And I'm like, oh, that'd be fun. Oh, that'd be great. But who do I follow? I follow Jesus. I don't follow bikes. Well, I don't most of the time anyway. But think about it. What is the one belief that's not tolerated in Ballarat? What is the one belief system that will not be tolerated in a society that tolerates everything? Christianity. Our society says there is not one truth. Our society says it's not right and wrong, it's whatever works for you. You hear people talk about whatever works for you, that's great. Believe in whatever you want. If it works for you and your family, great. You believe what you want, I'll believe what I want. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, I am the Lord and Saviour. He says, I am the only way. And the wall behind me is a quote from John. Jesus declaring, I am the way, the truth and the life. Ballarat does not want a bar of this, but this is what we depend on, is it not? Jesus declares he alone is the only way, the only way to God. He says he alone is the only one who speaks truth. He's declaring he alone is the only one who has eternal life. We're coming up to Easter. Jesus' death and resurrection proves that this isn't just graffiti, But this is words to live by, words to depend on. God is a jealous God. He won't allow us to pick and choose. We have to follow him. But God, not only jealous, he's also gracious. In sentence 6, he quotes from Proverbs 3, 34, but he gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. A holy, powerful God, yet gracious. And we all know this, don't we? Because the sun came up a bit later than I would have liked. I would have liked a bit more warmth when I was walking the dog. But the sun did come up, did it not? And that's what we call common grace to all people. A God gives us life. He gives us sun. He gives us food, good gifts. And we don't have to believe in him to receive that common grace but special grace is for those who believe in Jesus what's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian well one of the key differences is humility because if we're a Christian we humbly admit that I can't do it that I can't do it on my own a Christian humbly admits I can't do it I need God's help And a Christian humbly submits to God's word, the Bible, as the ultimate authority over their life. Christianity, it's all about being humble. 
That's not about me, myself, and I. It's about God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the sentence 7 to 10 provides clear advice. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. We are to submit to God. We are to follow and depend on God. So we submit to him. Now notice what it says there. It says we are to resist the devil and he will flee. It's resist. It's, it's, we don't have to fight against the devil. You know, we don't have to, in the name of, you know, we don't have to take him on and fight him. We don't have to defeat him. All we have to do is resist. Because the devil, he knows he's a loser. He knows what's ahead of him in eternity. And what a loser's, what a bad loser's want to do, they want to bring as many people as they can. Bring him down to them. That's all he's got. All he can do is tempt Christians to follow, to follow him, to feel bad about what they're doing. Now, we can't stop the devil tempting us, but we can resist. If you just resist, he will flee. And we are to draw near to God, and drawing near to God results in God drawing near to us. We trust that Jesus is our Saviour and Lord. We are God's children, yet we still make mistakes, we still sin, we still fall in temptation, we still hurt each other. What's our natural response when we do the wrong thing? Well, it's classic, isn't it? We run away. We avoid God, we avoid his people. Genesis 3, clacky example. Adam and Eve ate the fruit they shouldn't have. They hear God, they hide. But it doesn't help, does it? Hiding never helps because God's the only one that can help us. And so what should we do? We need to humble ourselves before God. We confess our sins as we did with Chris leading us before. Change our ways, purify our hearts, purify our desires. As we looked at last week, it's our hearts are the problem. And so that's why James, he's kind of going in hard in verses 9 and 10. He's like, don't just laugh it off. (laughs) Oh, I did the wrong thing, doesn't matter. Mourn over the sin. Give it to Jesus. Thank Jesus for dying for your sins. And what happens when we do this? Well, we're humbling ourselves, aren't we? And God forgives us, and after we're forgiven, we're exalted. Friends, don't let sin rule your life. Don't let sin be the master of your life. Humbly confess your sins to God. Give it to Jesus. Let him take it away so that you can be washed as white as snow. And then take the actions and steps you need to take so that you're following Jesus and avoiding the sin. Our next paragraph, James is talking about slandering others. Uh, Sentence 11 and 12. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. 
The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge a law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbour? That's very clear, isn't it? Don't speak evil against others, especially those in your church. That can take many forms, can't it? And the old gossip, the put-downs, the unhelpful remarks, the slander. What motivation is there for speaking badly against others? Well, for honest, it's often, I want to bag him or her out so then it makes me feel better. Sometimes it's because we don't actually like that person or they've hurt us, so we want to get them back. But we're, we're nice, polite Christians. We're not going to punch them or do slash their tyres. We're just going to try and discredit them other ways. Sometimes we might just do it for fun, just the enjoyment of, of hurting others. But when we do this, what are we doing? We're actually trying to put them down and put ourselves above. And then what James is saying, we're actually trying to, we're judging them. We're judging them on their conduct, but of course, as Jesus says, you've got to take out the plank in your own eye before you get the speck out of your brother or sister in their eye. And we're judging them. We're always making the assessment that we're doing it better, aren't we? So unhelpful and so pointless because, as James says in sentence 12, there is only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and destroy. We are not the master of the universe. We are not God. Only God is the lawgiver and judge. Only God can save and destroy. Therefore, we have no right to put others down, to put ourselves above them. But just to be clear, right, there's a difference between judging and discerning. When you judge someone, you're making a judgment. You're trying to make them worse or you're making yourself better. When you're discerning... You're trying to discern what someone's doing and if it's appropriate for you to be involved. So you're driving down Sturt Street and you see someone driving really dangerously. Now to be judgmental, you might say, well, where did that person get their licence? Or, oh, that's a typical such and such. And you, you know, stereotype the make of the car or the person driving or whatever. That's judgmental. Discernment, you see that dangerous driver and you think to yourself, I'm going to get out of that person's way. I'm going to try and avoid that person. See the difference? You don't know why they're a dangerous driver, but you're just saying, right, I'm going to get out of their way. See, as Christians, we're not to judge others, but at the same time, we're not to be doormats. You know, sometimes as Christians, we get into the habit of saying, it's not my place to judge. I'll just let this person take advantage of me, do whatever they want. No. We're discerning, but we're not judging. And the last um, paragraph is almost a summary of 2020, is it not? A summary of the year 2020 in the year of our Lord. Sentence 13. Come now. You who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to such a such town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? 
For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him is a sin. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As was already mentioned uh, by Christian and the Kids Talk, isn't it? 2020 hit us hard. Without warning, a global pandemic was declared one year ago yesterday. Everything changed. International travel stopped. Domestic travel stopped. Trips to Melbourne stopped. You know, the ring of steel. Leaving the house almost stopped. 2020 was a great example of how little control we have. One microscopic virus that we can't even see threw the world into chaos. And 2020 proved, did it not, that no matter how wealthy or advanced we are, we are so vulnerable, we are but a mist. If the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Now we all know it, but we don't want to admit it, do we? I watched this clip on Facebook, it was called Near Misses, and it's a series of videos of pedestrians, you know, barely missing being killed by a car or a truck. And just reminded me, it doesn't have to be a disease or a virus. Anything can completely transform our lives. Nothing is certain in life except Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, everyone says death and taxes, but Jesus is the real certainty. So to wrap up, what are we to do? We need to be humble. Humble with our relationships with each other. We will hurt each other. We will make mistakes. We'll say the wrong thing, do the wrong things. We need to humbly ask for forgiveness. We need to humbly restore relationships with each other. We also need to be humble with our relationship with God. We're the ones that damage the relationship. We're the ones that have broken off with God. We need to confess and deal with our sin, not hide from God. And we need to be humble with our life situation. We're not in control. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. Only God does. We need to humbly admit that we are just a mist. That each day is a gift, but God will provide. Friends, we are to be humble. Let's pray. Father God, it is hard but necessary for us to be humble. Lord, for those of us that um, have many things in life, that are distractions. Many things that compete for our heart's attention and our heart's desire. Father God, we ask your Holy Spirit to be able to see what they are, what those idols, what those things that we cherish and are tempted to cherish more than Jesus. Help us to deal with them and to give them up as necessary. Father God, for those of us with particular sins that are taking over, 
that are damaging, that are uh, interfering with our relationship with you and others. And we pray that you would help us to humble ourselves, to confess, and to once confessing those sins, to repent, to take the necessary actions and necessary decisions to get rid of that sin in our lives. Father God, for those of us that are um, quite drawn to putting others down in order to make ourselves feel better, please forgive us. Help us to use our mouths to encourage, not to pull down or discourage others. And help us to realise that really we're no better off than anyone. And that it is only by grace that we're saved and it's only by grace that we are who we are and it is Jesus who is the judge, not us. Also help those of us that have people that are trying to manipulate and take advantage of us to be discerning, not to be doormats, but protect us from bitterness and judgmentalness to those that are being horrible. And Father God, also for those of us who last year was um, such a hard year, help us to see that you are the one in which we are to trust. Protect us from thinking that it'll be a government, a human, a vaccine or whatever that'll get us through, that'll give us safety. Help us to see that only Jesus is the one who will give us true and eternal safety. Father God, help us to humble ourselves and to be dependent on you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.